0: So what I want to put to you is this about Nature strip. One thing is nagging at me and, and it's this. They aren't machines. If they explode first up off a short break, sometimes that can mean that's that's the best for the prep. Now it went to England. It <laughs> didn't just have yep. a short break. It went to England and back. And he's a yep. he's an eight-year-old. Now, all the best horsemanship in the world, and he's come back off the plane from England. He's automatically assumed, here comes the old nature strip. Well, old as maybe the word.
1: Well, it's interesting, one of the boys internally shared very similar view to you that that could have been some sort of a challenge of um, nature strip not turning up the bounce off the short break is a very valid point bro and it's something that again internally we've been looking at this scenario about when they come off these short breaks that they can have one peaking run and then that's it right?
0: the leader, 300 metres to go a full on championship race
1: now, two legs in front Animo unleashing, they were followed by He's a shocker, still Zaki. 100 metres to go, followed by He's a shocker by Wunker Animo still saki saki holding on Sarki victim 200 metres to go, a link for the half to two legs, Mister right side to
0: Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the Year Round Carnival with Vince Ricardi and your host, Racetrack Rofi. G'day! Thanks so much for checking out Year Round Carnival with a little bit of ZZ Top, Matt Hills, fantastic calling from Saturday the big races. And at the start, I'm very confident to say that no one else brings you the type of information that we do. Putting on the table, this that was after Nature Strip got beaten in the Everest. Was there a chance that he was over the top? These are the type of things we like discussing on Year Round Carnival with the man from Daily Sexuals, Vince Accardi. Good morning, Vince. Good morning, Rolfie. Well, uh, rather solid week, mate, for participants and us and everyone else having a, having a dip in it. We'll start with the Melbourne Cup on Tuesday. When Gold Trip got the money, we loved it. The part of the art that we love, Vince, is, is just tracking him through the campaign. July 30, Rose Hill, Gold Trip. Minus 2.2 links below benchmark, ranked 14th on the day. This is from our Sizzlers summary. This is a serious racehorse in the plus four to five range on his overseas best, so we're calling this just a kickoff run and won the tag with expected serious improvement going forward, although most probably a run or two away from a winning strike zone performance. Settle going minus 8.9 links below benchmark at the 800, which is nearly 10 links from the leader, effectively a non-winning position. And we went on to say about the mid-race squeeze, we expect to see him climbing if he stays in good health. Just got beaten in the Caulfield Cup. Ironically, Durston was in that same Rose Hill race and then won the grand final. These trainers are fantastic, Vince. They get them to peak, and Mark Zara rode a perfect ride.
1: Oh, <laughs> Mark Zara rode perfectly. But how good's the stable? How good are <laughs> they, Ralphie? They're, are they untouchable? <laughs> They're, They're untu- pretty good. they have to be the leaders of the pack anywhere on... The Australian planet, anyway. Wow. I mean, the way the horse won really was just something that it sort of it blew me away on how well the horse actually did it. It was tremendous performance. Of course, like all things, the preparation and the campaign, there was that communication. You were saying, like, if you remember the Cox Plate, ruffle when we were having that discussion, that maybe that was all about for this big Grand Final. Yes, and they delivered. They delivered in a very serious way. I mean, overall performance-wise, interesting. If we look at it from sort of the last five, six years, it's it's the softest victory. But all you can do is win.
0: And two it on the IVR figures.
1: Yeah, based on IVR figures, two point two above. So that's. Not the greatest, but we had that expectation that it wasn't going to be the greatest year. But it's still the Melbourne Cup, and the performance was uh, brilliant for this horse. Didn't quite get to his lofty heights of the plus four range that we know this horse is capable of, but it really is good to see a horse really mature into the, the campaign. And I, I guess in many ways we did get to see the best a horse could do so far in Australia. And I, I'm hopeful that this horse can continue on and you know, be in some great races. Next preparation.
0: You don't generally price him, but uh, you, you do for the Melbourne Cup, and you had him at $12.50. I think I had him at $12. So we're sort of yep. along similar lines there. We work separately, of course, when it comes to previews, but the uh, you had him as your A ranking. I'll just read what you put down from your runner-by-runner runner breakdown. Despite not having the best of luck in running last start at the Cox Plate, he produced the best Australian run to date, posting incredibly good plus-two performance. Start prior, ran an excellent second in the, the Gaulfield Cup, 1.2 links above benchmark. We know it could have been a touch flat on that occasion due to a high-exertion Plus 8.9, last 400 prior at Flemington. That was the Turnbull. His career best effort sits at 2,400 back as a 3 odd old in Europe. Two sectionals late indicating he may well run 3,200. Out okay. Ma uses Camper hitting these targets right. He can win here, although we know he does lose a length or two on genuinely heavy grounds. The drying ground would assist. So you had him as an A-ranking horse on um, the day he's probably run to where you were expecting him to run. And does that also mean that a few didn't turn up?
1: Well, this is. You know, very possible But the good thing was this, Ralphie, I was tracking the the numbers very closely All the way through up until race 6 And until we got into race 5 The track was racing in that S5 range Which, And again, like when you're getting your mindset And you, you, you're coming to a point in time To try and understand, okay Who's going to get it managers, who's weren't This was definitely keeping a horse like Gold Trip Hard in the race as well then race six, and this is the interesting because the stewards ended up downgrading the track in race six. And I, at first I was really surprised they went to S7. Maybe one of the things that might have been the big catalyst for why this happened is it happened to be like there was like a race leading into that where the wind temperature in the homes uh, straight had gone like typically all day had been sort of, in that sort of seven to ten kilometers per hour headwind, yep. But in, in the race leading into it, that wind's actually got to 25 kilometers an hour, and the difference in the speed over the last 400 meters, well, particularly from the 350 home, was around six and a half to seven lengths impact because of the wind. That, that's what that's how much difference it made, and therefore could give that illusion the track was even wetter than what it really was but it was actually the wind that was creating that heavy resistance and therefore really slowing the time so in the end we thought the track was around that s6 range at worst and this is just a you know big credit to the the flemington team and that really did allow gold trip i feel in the end to almost run to its optimum
0: we always say the best jockeys ride to the numbers, and probably an ideal race shape is uh, what I would call an inverted V. In other words, you, you relax a bit early, you really tank out in the mid-race, and so by the time you hit the winning post, you're spent, but you're spent uh, in front. <laughs> and by I look at what Mark Zara did on Gold Trip, that's exactly what happened.
1: Oh, it was perfection, wasn't it? Peek, peaked in terms of speed between the six and the four. And then you had that gentle deterioration of around two and a half lengths between the four and the two hundred, and then virtually just dropped two more lengths over the last two hundred metres. Even that was running away from the field. Uh,
0: absolutely. So when it comes to uh, some of the old soil fundamentals, Vince, there's a reason they hang out. They they hang on forever. Uh, one I remember, I was probably watching Sky Channel 15 years ago, the great Dominic Byrne saying about. The um, how well horses uh, perform in the Melbourne Cup coming off their best run. In other words, the best way to be informed in the big stage is to come off an informed run. And there's the placings, emissary, winner of the Geelong Cup, uh, high emotion winning of the Bendigo Cup. So they're both rock hard fit, they're running their best, and they were able to fill the slots at big odds. And both horses, uh, you sort of had in your C ranking, but you, you made a reason for why they, they could actually place.
1: Yes, and of course they emissary cost me the the first four because I like to I like that's the time when I like to do a multi. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and did I have that horse for second? No. Yes, but of course third and fourth they were in, but you know they don't pay that way, Ralphie. I needed to have it for second. Of course, reading over the notes, we did give these both those horses some sort of a chance of running a place. We really. Yeah. Did feel that though, like you said, they were in form, profiling really well, and it was quite possible that they could, you know, deliver on the day some type of um, result, like a fringe
0: player, as we call them. Yeah, and when it comes to Dover legend, what did what did we learn? Does he, I mean, surely the starting point was whatever talent he had, have, given that was his first start on wet ground, the price was insane.
1: Uh, it really was. And th- that horse, and like probably to, Uh, Probably even more of an extent that without a fight, like without a fight, definitely needed to have dry ground. And Deauville Legend was an unknown quantity, but the price, yeah, I felt that was an overcook in terms of, well, that's how the bookmakers made all their money.
0: Well, they did. How much the better promotion uh, affected that? (laughs) Who knows that that you could have uh, 100 to 1? And uh, once again, Matt Tripp, just too smart.
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you bet.
0: Uh what else I've got what I'll put on the table? It was was the most insane I, I can't think of a dumber here we go. We all we're all got opinions, Vince, so we can only work, work our yes. way through our own opinions. But Realm of Flowers backed into eight dollars. Was that just an example of people saying, Well, is a she is a wet tracker with a lightweight, so we want to back her? Well
1: we, I'm sure we're gonna come up with a bit more weights and measures soon on some other races, but <laughs> Yeah, well that's one day people are going to overcome that possibility of understanding that weights don't dictate everything they can play a role but not that much of a role
0: <laughs> well for 2 years in a row gold trip uh, couldn't win the melbourne cup because he was top weight and uh, and of course very elegant couldn't win the top couldn't win the melbourne cup because she had too much weight for a mayor. ah uh, wow well, you get amazing uh, overs taking it on which is fantastic <laughs> Long well, may it continue. Yes, <laughs> no doubt about that at all. Uh, before we get to Sunday, let's uh, just a, a quick uh, thought about the Oaks fins. It uh, it uh, seemingly looked like a, a, a barrier trial for a lot of prize money there, as way it was a, a walk dash home uh, shape.
1: A barrier <laughs> trial. <laughs> I know pays millions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was very good, Ralphie. Yeah, one by shes extreme, of course. Yeah,
1: well. That was a good performance, really, when you look at it, the way the horse was able to get victory. Yes, the performance overall didn't quite get to benchmark, but my view is this. Just outside the top 10 for the day, 0.8 of a length below benchmark, ranked 13th best of the day. It's hard when you're running with that sort of race shape. There it is, lead speed, 8.4 lengths below benchmark. She's extreme, travelling 10 below. The move in the mid-race for the horse, I thought, was about as good as you can go. The exertion was almost... Nine lengths were off in terms of the squeeze. And you could see that the... Well, when I say you could see, the the, the data's indicating that it, its top-out speed was just at around that 200-metre mark, peaking with a 1.4 above. And then there was a de acceleration over the last 200 metres going... Still broke benchmark, 0.3 above. Solid performance for a, a filly. We know how hard it is for fillies or young horses in particular to put down a really high-performance... Uh, figure over this sort of distance range. And I felt that given the circumstances, they only had to run a length or two quicker. This horse would have broken benchmark, Ralphie. So I, I actually thought it was a, a solid run. E- even the second horse was solid as well.
0: We're, we've seen over the years, uh, uh, I think Machine and uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, who am I thinking of? The Ellett team had, had a horse that uh, ran a place at uh, in the Oaks, but they're, they're basically milers. So it becomes a case that sometimes a horse that can win an oaks and sometimes a derby as well over 2,500, but really their class is they're best suited going forward as milers, you know, with a bit of, bit of a turn of foot.
1: It really is. And I'm hoping a horse like she's extreme, we get to see it next season and hopefully can evolve and, you know, really mature into a, a top-line racehorse.
0: Absolutely. All right, let's have a look at Saturday, and we might actually start. Our members, by the way, who support us, we have no affiliation with corporate bookmakers, so we're independent, and the fact that we have members is just fantastic. For as little as $5 a month, you can get behind us to be a listed member, Group 1 members. Well, I get best of the day, so do, the, uh, so do our regular members, but we've been sending little bonus podcasts, and we will again today to our Group 1 members, and have a look at White Marlin and Sulcom, and a big Sydney race as well on Saturday that might be, two big Sydney races actually, they might be good form races going forward so our group one members you don't have to do anything we email it to you after we do the show and uh that's exclusive member content from paul um hi ralphie i know you'll talk about the track played on saturday but there seemed to be some distinct lanes i.e where alligator blood rocking horse roughly came through and interested here vince's thoughts on whether this differed from the normal advantageous running lanes additionally they seemed to contradict the morning advice where the shear and the going stick indicated that far outside was going to be most advantage clearly wasn't the case for straight races or Cascadian. Thanks for the pod, mate. It's the best on you, Paul. Thank you, Vince. How'd Flemington play?
1: Okay, so yeah, this is really, oh, mate, I love that question. But what what's really good is the, the insight behind it, why sometimes lane variances can have an impact. And when you're looking at the intel, one of the great things that we're seeing that's happening A, in Victoria now for quite some time, time now in terms of putting the windsock set up in terms, you know, very, very, I feel like extremely advanced technology in terms of measuring the wind. And I had one of the people internally pretty much looking at the wind directions, the flow of the, of the wind speed through the key four points, and that's around the back straight at the top down to the bottom of the back you know back turn and then into the turn and then into the home straight and the, the home straight they give you two different readings and then of course the way the wind was flowing now the way it flowed in most of the races all day was was some races you had a crosswind that was coming from the grandstand into the inside rail fence and in some races it was in the opposite direction and if it's coming from the grandstand across into the inside like let's say in the straight race it would have a real big impact for the horses that are are closer to the outside, they were going to actually be affected a lot more than the horses that were getting cover on the inside. So that means, given that the lanes, when you look at Flemington, it no matter what happens, the lanes start at around 10, 11. In other words, that's the beginning of the faster ground. And, and technically speaking, obviously, if you went to the outside fence or close to it, that would be the very fastest. But the wind can sabotage that. And depending on where you're positioned. Overall, if you look at the day, you had lanes coming from 15 all the way to uh, 21, and that was in the last race of the day. But the majority of them stuck around the 15, 16s. That was the lanes, or 17. There was one winner, Zaki, who was lane 11. That was the one that was closest to the fence all day. But the wind does play a big role. The other note that I want to make, Ralph, is what was really interesting as well, and not typical. Again, this is I really feel it's all about the way the wind was structured, it was very, very hard to get optimum ground over the last 200 metres in the straight, where usually that is the optimum part of the track. It was running probably a length or two behind everywhere else. There wasn't many races where it was headwind. It was always usually crosswind, but it was it was probably more the genuine G4, and I felt around the back and to the side it was a lot closer to G3 all day.
0: Um, and so what, what you're sort of saying is that it's a, it's a sign of a tired track that last 200 almost, is that, No, I, it or could the, you know, just purely the wind.
1: I just feel it was purely the wind that was right. uh, creating that. And so therefore, if you're up on speed and you're traveling and you're getting the right sort of race shape, you could be tremendously advantaged by that.
0: Yep. All right, we'll we'll go through the uh, through the group ones in order, uh, which of course means we start with the straight race um, that we (laughs) that uh, I played that grab from us after the Everest. And sometimes Vince, the market just completely loses its marbles, and they the the market collectively didn't want to believe that Nature Strip actually was quite playing the Everest, and there was an immediate assumption that it was going to rebound to its best. It got into deep, it got into odds on off a very plain run. What I what I'm putting on the table, and you know, there, there's some hindsight, but there's also some foresight that we put down, is that they are still animals, and an eight year old traveling to, to England and back to to assume that it was going to be absolutely perfect to me was a little bit insane.
1: Yes, well, we started getting concerned internally after the performance of the Everest that maybe we could. We, this horse, this time in, might not be able to get past that four range. Now, mind you, if you could run to that level, you're still going to be seriously competitive and a genuine winning chance. Yep. So that was the first part. But the other part, Ralphie, and this is an observation that you actually sent me an email, and I, this is what we've been talking about for a while. We really have concerns about when horses having full campaigns and then having just these short rebounds coming off what we consider to be something like a freshen, freshen up, even though 60 days in the old way of speaking could represent a spell, right? But we know in this modern day of age, they're not really having much time off and they're very forward. They have a, they put in a terrific performance, like a peaking run, and then they just go backwards or they can't repeat. And this is what's happened here as well, Rafi. I mean, 2.7 okay let, let's let's think about this last time it ran that number we had to go first up flemington back in february 2022 and you say okay and then if i go back any further we've got to really go back to 2020 ralphie
0: and maybe maybe even if i put it through this prism when was the last time he did it in a grand final so, what you're saying is that that run was the lightning stakes first up, but he was set to win the G- TJ Smith. And what yes. Chris Waller's done with Nature Strip is he's a grand final horse. Well, this time he was playing in the Everest by his standards and playing in the uh, up the up the Flemington straight. So, it, this has been the first time I would comfortably say under Chris Waller that he's failed in grand finals. Yeah, it was it's you're, you're so right, Ralph, because the. The only
1: time when this horse ran around that level is when we were talking about, you know, how strong does it run a 1,200-meter race, right? Yep. And this was going back to pretty much early 2020, and that horse hasn't sort of been to that type of performance in in terms of overall figures of 2.7 since then. And I knew when Rocking Horse won, because I always felt the Rocking Horse was a genuine you know, mid twos runner, something that's a horse that could run, you know, somewhere around two, two and a half lengths above IVR benchmark, maybe, maybe two, seven, because it's been up around that range. It, it produced 3.1, which was fantastic. But I knew when that horse won and baller running in the money, and I, and I know that horse very well from a form profile point of view that there's, I go, no way, I actually said no way they broke three. Yeah. But okay, 3.1.
0: Yep, so uh, the sprint race, your expectation going into the meeting was it was going to be plus four, plus five range. So it's there's been a few that haven't turned up and, uh, uh, you know, tough, good standard horses, rocking horse and baller, that's all they are and no, no disrespect to them, but they found an opportunity to win because some elite runners weren't elite on the day.
1: And this is it, Ralph. It's even like giga kick. It's For a young trainer, what a – you know, it's such a big task – to try and get those horses to peak again, and then coming back, it's just so hard to do. And yeah, and this is what we ended up with. We ended up with that type. Of, and we even Bella and I was very confident that we'd seen the peaking run the start before. Yeah, of course. Did I expect a performance that was in the low ones? No, but this is for me when I look at it from an educational point of view, and I'm I'm always. When you don't get victory, now, I didn't end up betting in this race. So from a business point of view, I didn't do any damage. Now, of course, I could have considered nature strip, but there was just not enough. When I'm only scoring them around 60% probability, I don't want to play. But educational-wise, what it does is it sort of helps me to reconfirm about when we feel horses are on the, you know, not going to rebound, what's the real impact? And it just, when I look at, there's three horses in particular in this race that, they all dropped off around two lengths, Ralphie, And this seems to be the theme about what when you try and not get the rebound, how much do you lose? And, it, and it's coming up that somewhere between two and three lengths is what you're losing. So this sort of just helped me confirm and into the future about how much I can technically want to penalise a runner
0: on performances into the future. So Giga Kick was a bit unlucky, but he still didn't completely savage the line. And that's, so... I'm, I'm sort of what I'm putting down is, you know, we often say it, it's easier to be unlucky than it is to, to to win, and as it it sort of points that he peaked in the Everest, but he's a horse that you'd if you could someone someone threw you the keys to one horse, surely he's the one you'd want to take for next year. Well, I don't know, right?
1: I, 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 and the re- only reason why I say this is okay at this stage we've we've left it open that we don't know what the ceiling is. Yep. But Sometimes we also have a lot of knowledge and experience now of uh, decades of research that we know that most horses don't improve when they have a full campaign. So we just have to sit and wait. Now, mind you, the performance that I put down last year, that's fantastic. We know it's capable of winning many races if we can go to that level. Let's see. Yep.
0: Yep. All right. Uh, let's have a look at the mile. We might even start with uh, uh, one, of the, one of the list of questions because what was uh, what was evident? No, here it is from Scott. Pretty simple one for Vince. Did alligator blood going to the mile and Zaki going to the stakes invertly assist each other? For them to win their respective races, it seemed to me both Tim Clark and Jamie Carr got away with murder up front with no real pressure. As a result of them splitting up, and when the heat came on, on the elastic band that Vince always talks about, it snapped. The others were never going to win. So uh, let's start with uh, with the Gator, alligator blood. Um, he was fantastic in front, and by the look to the eye, Tim Clark didn't go slowly, which is what these two horses had been doing in their previous two runs.
1: Yeah, well, here's the big thing. When we look around, we look at this the spin around pretty much from race six to race nine, if you weren't like hard on the lead speed, you're gonna be in a lot of trouble. Yep. Pretty much if you were further back than two lengths, you're gonna be in a lot of trouble. And this is the way the wind played Rolfie It really created some some tension in terms of getting the cover. Those cross winds can be Extremely dangerous in terms of putting down the performance and when you've got to make that ground when it's needed, unfortunately, it was just impossible. Like, well, I, I, here's a, it's a perfect example. We want to talk about alligator blood, right? We want to have a look firstly. The horse gone out, I felt excellent, more yep. like what it should be able to do. Get, it went out of benchmark, fantastic, had the opportunity, could have gone a lot faster if it wanted to, but controlled the speed, but a good speed, not going five lengths below benchmark at a really good speed. And the move in the mid-race, this was the winning move. You have a look, Ralphie. The first three place getters, they're all within two lengths of one another, right? And you have a look at the squeeze in the middle. We can start. Mr. Brightside, 2.8. How do you pronounce that? Tuvalu. Yeah, Tuvalu is 5.1 and Alligator Blood, 3.3. Now... Let's go to the fourth horse and the fifth horse's example. Their mid-race squeezes were 16.2 and 18.9. So, in other words, in excess of three lengths just to get in the race. So, Forget Cascadian, one, was
0: Cascadian. if someone said to you, and you've got these numbers, right? If someone said to you, at the 800-metre mark, what were the true odds of Cascadian under this race shape at the 800-metre mark?
1: Oh, a million to one.
0: <laughs> a million to one. <laughs> He's run the best last, I'm looking at your numbers here, best last, 1,200,000, 600,000, 400,000, day. Couldn't do any more, and he's run fifth.
1: And, and it was phenomenal. Yeah. Like, have a look at the squeeze, Ralph, and look at going 10.7 to 8.2 above. Now, when that happens, you know there's a, a real disparity in the energy distribution, right? You're yep. going too slow. Yep. You're, going, you're giving too much of a head start because if you're – Running truly, and let's say Cascading would have been three or four lengths quicker, you wouldn't have had that explosion in the mid-race, but the difference is you probably, the horse probably could have won, Ralphie.
0: There you (laughs) go. No doubt at all. Um, My Oberon, uh, did he he not progress and or race shape, or was it a bit of a combination? Because obviously he was super at at Mooney Valley. It looks like he's pretty much held his number rather than improved.
1: Well, there's a few things. Obviously, the horse had had some incident leading in before getting to the track. That was one thing. They got. They did do a vet examination and was past fit to run. Couldn't. There's no way that could have helped the horse. No way. There was always this possibility that this horse could have turned up flat from that last run, even though there's an expectation this horse could have still been progressing upwards. So, from my the way I look at it is firstly, the run of this horse had was pretty good 5.5 lengths below benchmark, good. Good mid-race move, going plus 5.2. Overall, last 400 was 0.8 above. A little bit of sufferance between the four and the two when compared to a lot of the other runners, around two and a half lengths. And when you sort of just put that and you just put some algorithms around it, it probably impacted the horse maybe one length overall. So yes, down, but a horse that, from my view, to be able to still come back and run to that level and have the scenarios that it was faced with leading into that race, I I felt that was pretty good. And I'm I'm still, I still have a level of excitement about this horse, Ralph. We'll just hopefully, I don't know if it's going to have any more racing this time in, but I'm looking forward to when we see this horse next, whether it's this campaign or into the future.
0: We should also note, um, and we, we can do all the work we like and we can admire all the trainers as much as we do at the, at the top level, but uh, to use an old phrase, Vince, they're not motorbikes, and and gee, with uh, private eye, I'm, I'm, he was best of the day first up at Flemington Turnbull Stakes Day. Our heads rolled off. It's how good he was. He smashed – here we go. He smashed rock and horse and baller, smashed him. He goes to Sydney. He runs second in the Everest. He then's dynamic in the nature strip. What I'm saying is with the prize money was, the old – Set up would have seen him stay in Melbourne, probably running the Crystal Mile at Mooney Valley and Cox Plate Day, and then peak, explode in the the mile at Flemington. Instead, he's gone to Sydney, run two phenomenal races. There's only just so much these horses can do.
1: Yeah, and and mind you, this was a horse like all along I'd been sort of pretty keen to be a participant on. And in the end, even when we were doing the podcast, like I had some reservations about can you do it, right? Can you really come now and do this given. You set up for the campaign, and you're so right, Ralph. When there's big money on the table, things change, preparation changes. There's a whole new style about how horses are getting prepared and what may or may not happen into the future. <sighs> you know, maybe you look at the run, and you say, Okay, well, it was overall it was 2.1, but that's the worst for the campaign. Yeah, we, we know the horse is at least two length better horse than that. At least we, we, we can't deny the horse a minute. Back in October of 2021, it's got a 5.2 at a mile. So we know the horse is extremely capable, but it was just one of those scenarios. Set up for this race wasn't golden. And, and I, I really appreciate what you said, Ralphie, about understanding about how you set up your campaigns and what it might have looked like in the past, given now we've got
0: these. Your race all this money. <laughs> You've got to chase it. You, you can't yeah. blame them for chasing it. No, no. In no. this case, they're well rewarded. They got a lot of prize money in those two Sydney races. But what I am saying the dynamics change. The old Bart Cummings, if, if it was Bart's horse, you stay in Melbourne, just running that race and then then peak in the grand final. And that's how the dynamics change. Um, a couple of these, uh, I'll combine these for the last, uh, for the McKinnon, the old McKinnon, what it was called, uh, from William. Um, <laughs> firstly, what world does he's a shocker beat Animo? <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is a fair question, but there's some interesting uh, uh, stuff underneath it there um, With uh, from Alistair, and this is interesting too. Um, might I point out, I saw Animo after getting off the float, he was agitated. By the time the gates opened, he was cooked. So that's an opinion. But one thing uh, we will add, though, is I, I saw Jane Ivel on racing.com she, she made a point in the mounting yard that he was really up on his toes and not not what he's previously been. So again, Vince, the uh, the horses uh, aren't motorbikes, they're there, they're animals and they can have various things in their way. But when it comes to Zaki, he got out in front from the eight hundred. He looks like he put the hammer down and under a race shape like that, there were some impossibilities behind him.
1: Yeah, it was real and it was and it was really, really tough to make the ground I feel like it was so evident on the back end of that card. And again, this was just the way the wind played. That made it so so challenging, especially if you're – usually you're getting out in those lanes. Yeah. And if you haven't got the cover and you're getting the crosswind, it's a, it's high resistance. Yes. So I guess it's to some extent not exactly like racing, uh, swimming against the tide, right? But if, it, if the current's pushing you sideways, it's still hard to advance forward. You, you have – you know, like it takes a lot of work. So from an energy depletion point of view, it would be quite – Big, And you could see that even though, I mean, you look at Animo's last 400 was plus 3.8. Yes, but the horse above it, he's a shocker, went 4.8 last 400 metres. So a length better overall. And that could play into, as it turns out, how much energy might have been wasted going to the barriers. And... The squeeze overall, when I look at the squeeze overall compared to Issa shocker there was a variance there. It was about three and a half lengths of the exertion. Just to try and make that extra couple of lengths up, Ralphie, and this is why this is why it was so hard, they, they just couldn't do it. They were, they were depleted. By the time they got to the 200-metre mark, there was no more to give. And you, I guess you're running up and down the one spot. And the ride from car was superb. This was more like the way she needed to ride the horse and... Overall, look, it was only a 3.3, Ralphie. So, you know, I don't want to kid myself. I mean, they've run well down.
0: Well, well this, outside of that Doom and Cup outlier, this horse has been a plus three to plus four horse every day of the week.
1: And that's where it stays. Yeah. It yep. hasn't advanced itself anymore. But of course, you've got victory. So, on the scoreboard, just from, you know, old traditional ratings, you're going to get a phenomenal figure. <laughs> and you're going to look like a champion. But that's great because if they ever bump into each other in the future, we might get opportunities.
0: Just on his a shocker, I agonised over putting him in the Sizzlers and I just thought, well, he's not, he's not going to win this race. So I didn't. But the the reality was, deep into his campaign, first time fast track, fast tempo the week before at Rose Hill, he ran a cracking race.
1: Yeah. Well, there's no way the stable would say he's a better horse than I'm Thunderstruck, no, surely.
0: So, no, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying this is why he was able to – when that, that question about how he was able yeah. to in, in a run a place. Now, everything was against I'm Thunderstruck on the day, but at the end of this spring carnival, do we still have to say that he's a superstar at a mile and just 2,000? He's, he's, he's very, very good, but where would you want him next year? Well, yeah, well – his best figures have both been at the mile, when it's all stripped back. Well, yes, well, it is. go 1,500 Rose Hill.
1: Well, what the big thing is this, you can see now the power of race shape, right? Yep. The power of race shape does give you an illusion that you may or may not be able to get distance. And if you get these type of race shapes, there is this scenario where horses that might not be at their absolute optimum at a longer distance can perform dynamically well and give you that impression that you're going to be absolutely rock-solid. Again, I sit back and say this. I want to go back to Ralphie those days. Remember Faulkner? Yes. He used to be a sensational miler, like abs- and a, a bold forward horse. Yep. They got this horse. They got that horse to be able to be reasonably dynamic over longer distance. At, when they inverted at speed, sort of getting out the back and coming forward or further back and running dynamic. So maybe a horse like on I'm Thunderstruck, more maturity. Who knows, Ralphie? I don't want to say absolutely no. At the moment, the data does clearly indicate your absolute best is at a mile, but maybe a bit more maturity, a bit more racing. If it can stay sound and fit, it could turn out and develop to be a horse that can produce plus fours and fives or even sixes at
0: 2,000 metres. Well, hey, same thing happened with Chris Waller with Nature Strip. He was yes. never going to run twelve hundred early doors, but correct. Great, tra- great stables do do great things. Uh, Ran off with of this uh, for a bit of fun from Johnny. Uh, firstly, well done with Snapper. Was much needed after the Animo disaster in Nightside. He was better than carnival, so Vince. I, f- I found Snapper at a, little, at a nice price in the last race, mate. So it was uh, it was a little bit uh, uh, needed, uh, as as, uh, as Johnny said. But a bit left field. Any chance Vince's clock flight line? The horse won by a combined seventy legs in his short career. Have you seen that happening in the States, no, I, I, oh I can't. man, I'll send you the link. So yeah, send the link. Like Breeders' Cup Day. It uh, it looked like secretariat. So I don't know what on the clock, but it it looked like the the best horse on the planet. So that was uh, that was very very exciting. Um, okay, Group One members bonus because uh, Robert sent a good questionnaire mm-hmm. after has thought on two year old race in Sydney. Golden Gift, reckon the top two finishes pretty handy. So we'll look at that. Also had a question about She's a Belter about White Marlin and Sulcom. So uh, those exciting horses. What we'll do? We'll come cover all that in the group one bonus podcast if you get that if you're a group one member and you can be by my website um, you'll uh, get you can become a member and I'll send you the podcast when you join up Vince Cardi's work via daily sectionals and we're going to start with the Perth Carnival from uh, from the following weeks so in the meantime thanks very much for checking out our year-round carnival podcast.